Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Black Mirror Season 6. We're all living in it now. <laughs> See, what I've done there is a little joke. That was a much cleverer joke a week and a half ago when I thought of it, Ben. But now Black Mirror are actually doing it as a joke themselves. It's it's wasted. It's wasted. But what I'm saying nah. is... What I'm saying... Look, Ben, what I'm saying really is, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to On Sean Rubio. Welcome back to The Tiny Room. I am the Michael of Michael and Benjamin's podcast. And I am joined by really... The man who could best be described as as useful as a chocolate teapot is Benjamin. I've done nothing this week. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Ireland's most well-prepared and researched podcast. It's, uh, it's Michael and Benjamin's podcast. Ben, do you want to give us a bit of theme tune there? I'm not really prepared to do that, Michael. Oh, Sorry, very good. <laughs> theme music for the podcast. We don't actually have anything. Very good. A very quick change in energy there. I I enjoyed it. Benjamin. Yes. The biggest news is that, um, well, the biggest news is that America is tearing itself apart. But, you know. It's, 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 got, it's over. Yeah. It's over, Michael. Good it's lads. It's over. Look, Ben. <laughs> look, Ben. Maybe they'll sort it out. That's the yeah, best I'm we can bloody hope for, isn't it? That not going to hold my breath, Michael. Maybe not they'll sort hold my it breath. out. But Benjamin, all uh, all social political issues aside, Ben. Um, yes. <laughs> comic book shops are going to reopen. Isn't that more important? Oh, oh, thank, thank God, Michael. The most pressing issue of our times. The most pressing issue of our times. They're going to oh, reopen, God. Ben, from Monday. Isn't that uh, potentially a good thing? I mean, Michael, this really puts your podcast with two white guys in Ireland in perspective, doesn't it? I mean, what what are we really doing here? What, well, <laughs> you know? we're talking about comics, and we're talking keeping, about comics. We're keeping their noses clean. <laughs> yep. So Ben, yep. yeah, we'll be able to buy comics from next week. That's nice, isn't it? And comics, which is actually start- quite nice, Michael. We'll also be able to see other human beings, which Her- are quite nice. Huzzah! Huzzah! I mean, technically, Huzzah. Ben, we would be allowed to record this podcast together from next week. Technically, Pro- but probably we'll won't. Probably won't. Probably won't. Yeah. One of the great tragedies, Michael, of, of this whole thing is that uh, our sound quality vastly improves when we're not in the same room together. Yeah, it's a very small room, Ben, you see. That's what people are often yeah, saying to us. It's a very tiny it's, room. It's almost like we named it that as yes. a convention. Yes, yes. So, Benjamin, yes. anyway, um, look, during the week, Benjamin, I noticed a little uh, a little new addition to Netflix. Go on. And I said to myself, you know, I'd quite like to watch that thing. It looks like it might tickle my fancy. But then... right. But then, Ben, good friend of the podcast and regular contributor, Dr. Stephen Jezebel Cadwell. Yes. He, uh, happy birthday, by the way. Happy to birthday him. to him. It's his birthday during the week. Yes. Um, he uh, posted up a bloody thing on the Instagram, Ben. He said, look, if you like your science fictions and whatnot, and you, oh, and you like your kind of uh, tightly written, tightly presented, low budget science fiction films, maybe you should give this a watch. Bloody singing Mick Leonard's song is what he was doing. He's singing my that's singing. Oh Ben, he's talking to my music. Is that a phrase? No, it isn't. Yeah, but look, that's ben, it. Nailed it. I watched <laughs> it, it Ben. I watched it. I watched it, Ben. And Michael, Ve- what did you think of it? What very, very it? good. I'll give you a brief synopsis first, Ben. Give me, give me the beats. It's, give me the beats. It's America. Oh yeah. yeah. It's America before everything started going a bit wonky. And they, and they had a strong bond. Yeah. Not like Leo. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll sort themselves out, Ben. Maybe this'll be great. Maybe I mean, maybe. yeah, sure, maybe, sure. Maybe, maybe or the country's so. gonna bloody annex itself into two parts and slowly drift. <laughs> maybe they'll, maybe they'll sort it out. Anyway, Ben, what was I saying? Yes, so it's America, but it's the olden times, maybe the fifties. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure exactly. People yes. had windy up radios and hats and big cars that were Buicks. Ah, hats. Yeah, and 
it's a it's a small town, Ben, and on a, on an evening of a small town, uh, as you know, Ben, in the small town America, uh, one of the big things that they really enjoy is um, races. No, um, basketball, oh, high school basketball. <laughs> They really like high school basketball. We're staying out of Keeping the politics, our noses Ben. Clean. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping our noses clean. Um, oh, so they're staying out of... No, sorry. High school basketball. They love high school basketball. Mm. And the whole town is at the, the high school basketball match, except our two oh. central characters, Ben. The, the Who young, are black. No, no. There's no I, no... I actually don't think there are any black people in it. It is set in a, <laughs> in a small town America in the 50s. I don't know about America, Ben. But anyway... Uh, it's the it's the teenage girl who's the local kind of switchboard operator. So she's the, oh, on, yeah, nice. on the on the night shift, and it's nice. the kind of quick talking, fast talking radio DJ guy who knows about radios, and oh, he's cool. doing the kind of drive time evening show. That would be you, Michael, in this scenario. I don't know, Ben. I hate radio DJs. You do. A, they are terrible, terrible people. Yes. Would you like me to do a quick? Would you, you do, like me to do a you quick? Do a quick yeah, yeah, yeah. Do a quick one. So do you know what I was doing the other day, Circa? Do you know what I was doing? I was sitting down as usual, just doing nothing, just doing nothing. Sir. Oh, classic me. You know me. And you know what? Hi, you're mad. I turned on this. I turned on this mental movie on Netflix. And you know me, Circa. I love a Netflix. Love a Netflix. All right, so do. I sat down and I flicked it on, and Circa, my mind was absolutely blown. Just out there stuff. Just crazy. And I know, I know what you're saying, Circa. Tom, you're always mental, but Circa, this was really mental. Tom, you're mental. Anyway, Ben, so uh, they're, they're on the radio, they're radio they're operators. Garbage people, they really she, are. So she's on the phone lines, Ben. <laughs> she's on the phone lines, and he's on the radio. And Ben, what do those two yeah. things in common have in common? They have in common little signals. So bloody, on this bloody signalis. on this dark, quiet night when the whole town is gathered up in one place, they start detecting strange signals. A spooky signal, Michael. Yeah, a kind of spooky signal over the radio waves, and, uh-huh. um, and they start getting fragmented and broken reports of strange things in the sky. Uh oh! It's a very good Ben. It's a very fascinating setup. Okay, sounds interesting. Michael. It is I'm interesting. Intrigued. It's very interesting, Ben, and it is—it's a UFO story, Ben, but it's a UFO story from the perspective of a person experiencing a UFO story. It's like if you imagine if you or I, Ben, were kids in the early in the in the late eighties or early nineties, and we were fascinated right. by UFOs and stories of people having the very briefest of encounters with UFOs—not close Classic. encounters with the third kind UFOs, where. Right hundreds of people and the military gather on the mountain and it's a big world changing event but just creepy stories and strange happenings that thing is going bump in the nighttime yeah yeah it's it's very good mm. ben it's very good and it, the the kind of the crux of it what it revolves around um them encountering a couple of people who have theories about what's going on so, for example, one one character calls in on the radio show and gives his explanation of what he thinks the strange phenomena are. Oh, that does sound it, interesting. But it's just people talking. That's the that's the fun of it. It's but it's a very good film. It's a very good film, Ben. I'll go into mild spoilers now. Some very mild, go on, go on. very very, do, very we... mild spoilers. Do now spoiler pause. Very very mild spoilers for the film The Vast of Night, Ben. The ending, I felt, was a bit rushed. Oh, no. A yeah. rushed ending. Yeah, it climaxes very quickly, Ben, as you would know yourself. Uh, <laughs> I've bloody got you. But, Ben, 
Um, it does. It comes to a bit of a head, surprisingly, uh, surprisingly abruptly, which I suppose is a stylistic, stylistic choice as well. But you know, it 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 didn't. It wasn't my favorite thing about it. And Ben, my one yes. other complaint is, I think I would have liked if there was one more vignette in it. And vignette's probably the wrong word because the two strongest parts of the entire film are when they encounter characters who've encountered this before and it's essentially that character doing a monologue and, and you'd like another monologue and one more monologue Ben one more monologue and a slightly extended ending and I think you would have had the perfect film Bloody now Ben chef's kiss now Ben Ben <laughs> Ben they may well have recorded one more monologue and made the movie with one more monologue and then said it's a bit long isn't it Will we take out Philip? And then they took out that third monologue. But I don't know. Look, who am I to argue about? It's it's fantastic. Dr. Dr. Stephen Je- Jesward Casabel uh, said that um, he was upset that he hadn't made it himself. And it is one of those real films that I think will get amateur filmmaking enthusiasts riled up. Because other than a couple of very nice tracking shots and the fact that it's entirely set in the 50s. You could do this mm. on a budget of a couple of thousand euro, probably. And it'd be bloody great. Well, you'd have to pay the actors. If you don't have to pay the actors, Ben, it'd be very cheap, obviously. But obviously, the um, the, the period setting makes it more expensive because you don't get 1950s cars just hanging around town doing... Th- you know what I'm saying? Bloody Buicks. You'd have to hire up some Buicks and some period dress and stuff. But if you said it now, Ben, you could anyone could make that film, apart from the one or two very fancy tracking shots. Yeah, but I mean, now tracking shot. What's what's a tracking shot between friends? Exactly. And you know what's very strange about it? Go on. There's a very, very, very small cameo from the actor who plays Guillermo in uh, in our new favourite show, um, What's uh, What's Going On at Nighttime. What's Going On This Evening. Um, <laughs> That's yeah. the one. <laughs> um, yeah, bloody... Oh, Guillermo, what a, what a hero. Glad to see he's in there. Definitely going to watch it now. He only has a tiny little cameo. It's like, there's Guillermo from um, What's Happening at, um, when, it's, uh, when It's Not Day... What's it, what's it actually called? What We what, Do in the Shadows. What's Going On at Nighttime. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, what are we doing this afternoon? Are you busy this afternoon? It's <laughs> that's the what it, classic that's, that's what it should be called. New Zealand comedy. Um, yeah. Um, well, that brings me to my point, Michael. Um, Go on. I've been watching less good television. Oh, very and excellent. Series and things. Um, I've been catching up with the Harley Quinn um, cartoon, which is very quickly into season two. Um Season one only just wrapped up, and they suddenly launched season two. They probably um, and that had has nearly it wrapped then. up now. They probably had it huh? in the can. They probably did, and then once the COVID nineteen struck, mm-hmm. um, I'd say they just said, "Well, fucking re- released, release the hounds, yeah, um, get it done." Uh, and I suppose the only interesting development here, Michael, is that it confirms a a, a long held fan, not a fan theory, I suppose, a fan fantasy, really, um. In in this universe of of the Harley Quinndom, the Poison Ivy Harley Quinn bond is as strong as ever. It's a strong bond. It's a strong bond. And Michael, she's set to marry Kite Man. The old Poison Ivy is set to marry Kite Man. Oh really? She she has settled down, and the girls get themselves into a bit of a classic scrape, Michael, yeah. with Bane, and mm-hmm. they find themselves in a bit of a a bit of a pickle, a mm-hmm. bit of a pickle, Michael, a pickle, Rick, um, and they have to get themselves out of that pickle, Rick, Michael. 
and um, we'll do mild spoilers here now just for the end of uh, coming up to the end of this season um, basically what happens is the the girls escape the pickle rick yeah and then they, they have a little schnog out of the excitement oh flow. very good and Michael that confirms a long held theory that bloody Harley Quinn and Miss Poison Ivy should be in an L romantic relationship is that the first, Michael is that the first kind of canon kiss they've had surely not I think it's the first canon one, yeah. It surely not. Surely in the it's comics. It's been hinted at in various things, but I think probably the first canon. But Michael, yes. what makes it even more interesting, Michael? Yes. What makes it even more interesting? What makes it more is that interesting? The following episode is all about them trying to figure out their complex feelings for each other. Oh. Um. And so it's it's really a, a development of that relationship, Michael, in a whole new way. Get out of here. Yeah. So a little bit of fan service, a little bit of. I'm sure it's going to send people into an uproar because it hasn't really been hinted at throughout the rest of the series. It's a very abrupt decision. But you look, Michael, it's a cartoon about Harley Quinn. They can do what they like. It's fascinating though, isn't it? Because, I uh, look, Ben, I don't really know enough about Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy to, to speak about this authoritatively. That was the so most I'm, Irish Poison Ivy I've ever Poison heard. Ivy! But I, so I may well be sticking my foot in it here. But isn't it funny that... Um, a relationship that was probably initially designed as fan service and for titillation has become w- w- one of the better representations <laughs> of non non heterosexual standard relationships in comics. Yeah, it's pretty solid. It's pretty strange, <laughs> it's, isn't it? It's I mean, solid. I, I, definitely. Oh, I don't. Again, I said I don't know enough about this to actually know this for a fact. So listeners might be able to point me the right direction. But it was almost certainly designed originally to titillate. Oh, it was one hundred percent originally designed to titillate. I there is no questions, Michael. No questions. Bloody but, rule thirty four was in full effect. And uh, then it transitioned into well, we could probably tease the tease the lads at home with a little bit of this, sell a few more issues, do a scandalous cover or two. And now it's like, aren't relationships complex? Aren't, isn't there a lot of subtext here? The things are going on. But yeah, I think that's very interesting, Ben. Not it, interesting, it is very interesting to Michael. watch. And it's it's handled in a fairly mature fashion, um, in the sense that. Both of them are trying to deny it in the beginning where they're like, well, we were very excited. It was bloody, we just escaped a bloody bane. Uh, bloody, bloody, this has never been a thing before. How silly of us all. And then Harley Quinn kind of goes into a bit of a, a full denial, um, Michael, of, of the whole affair. Um, and she's like, oh, it's me, Harley Quinn. I'm crazy. I, I'm always kissing people. Da, da, da. So it's really interesting. You see a little bit of character growth from both of them. It's a very good cartoon, Michael. Hmm. It's a very good cartoon. I can honestly say two seasons in, Michael, worth a bloody watch. I've never been a fan of Harley Quinn, Ben, so it, it doesn't uh, it doesn't uh, appeal to me. I'm not necessarily certain I'm a fan of Harley Quinn, Michael. I just think it's an interesting take on the DC universe overall. Yeah. I think it's a very entertaining watch. Dr. Um, Harleen Quinzel, Ben. It's played for pure tongue-in-cheekedness, and I, yeah. I think it's it's worth a watch, Michael. Uh, worth I, prob- I, I probably won't. Yeah, that's fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Speaking of things that you have watched that I've recommended, though, Michael, what have you been watching this week? Uh, I've been watching more of Snowpiercer, Ben. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. 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 Bloody, um, bloody murders on a train. You're the best damn cop on this apocalypse train, and we're going to get you. You better solve this crime, you son of a bitch. It, <laughs> it's fucking bizarre, okay. Ben. I've, <laughs> Go on. I... I, I I'm aware, Ben, and you're aware. We're both aware 
of the fact that we're talking about the same things a lot these last couple of weeks. But what else what are we going to do? What's that going on, Michael? What else are we going to do? So you're just going to have to live with me talking about Snowpiercer again. Yeah. Sorry, but lads. Ben, <laughs> you remember Ben in Snowpiercer? Yeah. How in the movie Snowpiercer, Ben, as yeah. they moved up the train, they encountered different strata of society. And it, yes. it presented the kind of class struggle of society as a very linear thing. And that was one of the fascinating things about it. Yes, upward social mobility in a visual form. Yeah. And when you're making a a procedural detective show, Ben, I don't know if you've ever noticed this about procedural detective shows, but let's say uh, Castle is with Kate Beckett. And they're like, Castle, we've got to find out where this pole dancer got murdered Jesus and then in the next scene they're at the pole dancing club useful and and then they say okay well it turns out there's no clues here so let's go back to your house and and further our romantic tension subplot and then in the next scene they're in Castle's house right you're with the you're familiar with that conceit of television and film Ben that you jump yeah that you can jump between locations and the viewer's mind will fill in, they probably drove there. Or they must have walked there. Or they got there somehow. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, your easy. your brain assumes how they've got there. And most of the time yeah. it doesn't matter, Ben. The thing is, Ben, when you're making a bloody film about social structure being an incredibly linear journey and they're fighting their way through the the, the train cars... A whole entire train. Yeah, that conceit doesn't make sense, does it? No, because they. how did they get there? Exactly. They couldn't have walked. (laughs) Yeah, so if they say in Snowpiercer, for example, uh, let's say they're in the morgue, which is a car. They have a morgue car. And then they they have to go and check out the butcher's car. How do they get there? What did they walk through to get there? They have to go through all the other cars. Yeah, and Ben... Let's say that my house is further up the train than the butcher's car, but yes. but the nightclub car is further down the train. Do I have to walk through the butcher's workspace every time I want to get to... You do. Yeah, yes. I think you do. I but think you do. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, that the conceit of this doesn't make a whole heap of sense. That, I tell you what, if I was the if I was the butcher on that train, I'd be pretty sick of seeing the best damn cop on the train every two minutes walking through. My yeah, fucking just butcher pacing cop. backwards and forwards, going, "Oh, <laughs> this guy again." <laughs> and then Ben, some of the secure cars are secure, so you need a passcode to get into them. But how do you yeah. get bloody through them? Which, uh, yeah, uh, very I mean, messy, Michael. I mean, and then you can kind of concede your way around that by saying, well, just imagine it's like a real train where there's a corridor off to the left for passage and then the the actual cabins are on the right side. But then you don't need to actually go through them all, do you? No, you probably don't, no. You can just no. circumnavigate them. And then what's yeah. the point of the whole bloody thing? Yeah. That's See, this is probably what happens, Michael, when you take a perfectly simple idea that can be executed very easily in a movie and then try and stretch it out. I see what you've done. Degree. I see what you've done well, there, man. That we're was we're not ready to go there yet, Michael, because I have another question there. Absolutely. I have another question there. You've wasted. 
Uh, we can segue if you want. Would you no, like no, to go on, now? go on, go on, go on, go on. No, no, I just want on. to know what happened this week on Snowpiercer. Is it a case by case? No, no, it's one evolving mystery. Okay, all right. Well, that's um, a little bit easier. It is a, a little, little bit, bit easier. easier, but although it is one evolving mystery, they have taken, like I just said, a lot of. It took a couple of watchings for me to really piece together what about it bothered me, and those kind of conceits of television dramas are what bother me. The cutting yeah. from location to location and we just kind of are to fill in, we're to fill in how they got there. But in that universe, how people get there is what's fascinating about the universe. That's and they're much, not doing it. Yeah, that's much more fascinating than who's who's making illegal drugs. Like the structure, illegal druggers. Yeah, the structure of the train is much more interesting than how does this society deliver meat? <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah. Anyway, look, it's 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 still well made though. It does. The other big issue with about it, Ben, is it doesn't feel like it's on a train most of the time. Oh, that's a lot of the cool. rooms like big... just feel like rooms. Okay, well that's no good, is it? No, yeah, oh. that's no bloody good. Funny thing about um, it though, Ben, season two is. Is almost ready. They've almost what? finished season two. Yeah, they've all, they made a season two, assuming season one was going to be a success. And has it been? I haven't kept. Up I don't with know because Netflix don't do numbers, so you never really uh, know. Right. Ah. Um. There's your mum. Uh, is she behind me? Yeah. Is she gonna get me? She gonna, did we wave hi to my mum. <laughs> Hello. No, she can't. She's gone. gone. Um. Sorry, we should point that out, ladies and gentlemen. There's a big window behind me while we're in the tiny room. <laughs> the tiny room. There's his mom looking in, That's and my mother it. does her gardening. There's the back is. there. So, yeah. you, should you gaze through the uh, the electronic lens that Michael has, you'd be able to see my family. Yeah, that's a good little yeah, very... uh, diversion, isn't it? Ben, what was your second question, or was that your question? Uh, no, I want to know: Do Demi Moore and uh, Best Damn Cop on the Train get it on? Uh, well, no, he is in a relationship or two relationships. Uh, oh, oh. Oh. Yeah, because one in the poor oh. section and one in the rich section. It's very complex. Look at him. Yeah. Look at him. Yeah. Throwing it around social yeah. classes. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. For him. Oh, he's upwardly mobile. Him. He is, apparently. <laughs> and horizontally mobile. <laughs> 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 no, any love making so far has been vertical, actually, now that you mention it. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh Michael, what have you been uh, what have you been watching that I've also recommended? Ben, <laughs> I have to say, Ben. One probably your best Ben's recommends ever. Um, I think so. I have watched almost all of um, what's going on in the shadows. What's going on this afternoon? What's going on in the shadows, Ben? It is a spectacularly good TV show, isn't it? It's just it, one of the better ones. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant, and it's just pretty great. Yeah, it really is, and it's it's hilarious from start to finish. Yeah. The the bloody characters, Ben, wonderful. Matt Berry plays Matt Berry if Matt Berry was a vampire. But it's a great Matt Berry. Yeah. It's, it's a nice version of Matt Berry. I'll have more, thank you. Yeah, you're getting your money's worth out of Matt Berry, Ben. He makes uh he makes hedge sculptures in the shape of vulvas. Particularly his mother's. Yeah, very good, very excellent. Um it's it's oh it has a weird relationship with the movie. It does. Because it is at at the same time a remake and a sequel. It, it is bizarrely like the first the first couple of episodes in season one are the movie, 
stretched out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's interesting, but they I don't know. There's a lot more American commentary I think in this one. Um, obviously well, it's, it's set, set in America, yeah. Death America. in America, yeah. Um, and I oh, I think Guillermo is such a fantastic addition as a familiar. I think he's perfect. Uh, yeah, he he is, and he's great. But what what I was getting, yeah. The the weird thing about it is when you're watching it, up until the point where they introduce the whole idea that there's a council of vampires and there's nothing to indicate that this isn't a remake. True. It, it's True. very much an American remake. Yeah. But at least they haven't cast Americans. <laughs> I, I know. I know. There's not yeah. an American in the bunch. I think um, Colin, is Colin Robinson American or is he Canadian? He's I think probably he probably Canadian. is. Yeah, he could be Canadian though. Colin um, Robinson, Ben, you told us a couple of weeks ago, he plays a modern energy vampire. Yeah. And, you know, I've met some people like him in real life. So I'm starting <laughs> yeah. to think that he... I did think, Ben, in the very first couple of episodes where Colin Robinson was steal, stealing people's energy by having boring conversations with them and frustrating them and making them fall asleep. Yeah. I loved the concept that he might not actually be a vampire, that he might <laughs> yeah, just they, be yeah. so boring that everyone thinks he's a vampire. And I they think assumed. it might have been heading that way. Yeah, and then they just decided to expand it at some point. Yeah, and then when, he, when, he, when he's categorically revealed to be definitely a vampire, he can fly... Yeah, uh, you know, he has special powers. I was yeah. a little bit disappointed, to be honest. <laughs> because I loved the idea of just this guy who is so boring and so frustrating that even vampires are afraid of him. Yeah, um, it's pretty good. Like he, really, he's become really, <laughs> my favorite thing, my favorite map everything. He's becoming too bloody powerful. <laughs> yeah. It's just I, I just I love that concept. And it is diminished a little bit by the revelation that he is, in fact, an energy vampire and there are others like him and they're a powerful and modern type of vampire. It's slightly diminished by that, but he is probably my favourite character in it. I, yeah, he I mean, is... I mean, absolutely again, love Colin Robinson. He's a real... It's a, They're just great. The character work is just phenomenal. Um, Nadja is played by Natasha... I can't remember her second name. She's an English actress as well. Um comedian um and then nandor the relentless is played by kyan oh, i'm gonna forget his name i just think nandor the relentless is probably the best name i've ever heard for a vampire nandor the relentless i don't know um, ben. i don't know if nandor the relentless is a better name for a vampire than colin robinson yeah that's true that's true um but it's very you michael i, I remember watching it going this is very Oh, it's it's very. This I was is... speaking with uh, I was speaking with the original glop of podcasting, uh, Rachel, the other day, because uh, you've spread this show into our social circles, as it were, Ben. And I said to her, what I said to her, Ben, was it's very much my aesthetic. This program, I really do enjoy it. Yes, it's all you. I I would hope that um, the glamorous lady of podcasting, Rachel, will not take this as an insult. But whenever Nadja loses her temper and frustration at the idiocy of the people around her, I'm very much reminded of uh, Rachel. Oh, very good. Very much. I'm, I'm sure she would be very appreciative of that because I would she hope is a, so. a glamorous lady vampire. A glamorous lady vampire. Of um, yeah, the three of those actors are, are British. Uh, Kai Van Novak... Uh, Natasha oh, I still haven't got her name and Matt Perry they're all British uh, all but for Mark Porch of uh, Colin Robinson fame he's not British 
He's and not Doug, British. Doug He's Jones, American. of course, Ben, is from deep below the sea. Yes. Deep, yes. deep, deep below the sea. Deep below the sea. In, and the in... Baron in season one is none other than Doug Jones. That's what I just said. Oh, sorry. I, I said just... Doug Jones, Ben. From, from deep below. I'm sorry. You're just not brain. listening to me. You're just thinking my about brain. the next thing you're going to say. <laughs> so much has just been revealed about this podcast. <laughs> sorry. So, Benjamin. My brain did a double take. In light, Ben, in light of the film, of the TV series Snowpiercer, which took an idea from a movie, Ben, and kind of remade it, but is kind of sort of reimagined it, but probably isn't quite as good as the film that inspired it. Almost definitely not. And, Ben, um, what's going on at night time, which is basically... A retelling of a film, but use that kind of story to spin off into its own thing. And arguably, Ben, is better than the original. I know, that's the weird part, isn't it? It is arguably better. <laughs> yeah. So what we decided, Ben, and we've already... We're, we're bloody neck deep in it already, Ben. But uh, what we decided to cover this week was TV shows and films based on the same thing. Which did it better? Exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly Ben. Exactly. That's exactly what we got into, Michael. And then, of course, I embraced my inner chocolate teapot and did nothing. You did no research whatsoever, Ben. So before we get into it, let's first talk about the advantages and disadvantages of cinema and and TV. Sure. And why, historically, cinema was always better. Well, Michael, there's the, there's the concept of the, the unity of experience, um, which was originally pioneered by Mr. Edgar Allan Poe, but probably has several other backers at this point um, but the unity of experience is where you sit down you run through a whole thing um, and basically you whatever piece of fiction you're consuming from mm-hmm. start to finish you do it in one sitting right um, and it's it's it was widely believed by people like Edgar Allan Poe and many of his devout followers that this was the best way to consume a work of fiction because it had a more lasting impression upon you so from that perspective a, a longer movie um, would do exactly that. It would give you this unity of experience. It has a um, start, a middle, and an end, Ben. It has a start, a middle, and an end, provided it's in, in any way a decent movie. Um, and you can kind of get away with that kind of thing. However, Michael, it could be argued, yeah. could be argued that a longer form of storytelling allows you to form more of a bond over time as character growth happens and you kind of connect to it. Um, and it, it really depends on which format you, you prefer, I suppose, in your fictional devouring. The thing to bear in mind as well, Ben, is up until recently there were vast differences in both budget and scheduling. Yes, huge. If you're making a movie, if one Benjamin Jr. Colopy decides to make a movie and you say, all right, I'm making a movie, I'm making a movie about a man, he's a man about town, and halfway through the movie he finds out that he used to be an Egyptian princess and he's been reincarnated and now he has to stop the apocalypse. Um, And you decide to make that... that yeah, I know, you'd make it. Um, so if you decide to make that movie, Ben, you get to spend half your life working on the script. Yes. Imagining every shot, frame by frame, how you want it to look. Good, 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 good. And Ben, the bloody movie comes out when you finish it. Yeah, you have you have time. Exactly, Ben. And then if you're a big Hollywood man, you got yeah. loads of money behind it as well. Nice, so you nice can put in your exchange of cash. Yeah, you well you can put in your expensive special effects. You can hire actors and say that's it. We're blocking out a week until we get this shot. 
yeah, it's nice. TV, on the other hand, Ben, up until very recently in the modern times. In the modern times. The modern times. Much lower budget. Yes. Yeah. And even more importantly, I think, with regards to quality, schedules. Yeah. Or as you say, schedules. Do I say schedules? No. No, I have to say a a schedule. You say a timetable. A timetable. Yeah. A time frame. The TV has a timetable. The TV is like, that's it. Benjamin, we want 22 episodes of Man Who Was an Egyptian Princess and we want them next March. And I tell you what you can do, Benjamin. You can make the first five episodes, his origin story. You can make those now. We'll put those on the television. And if people like it, then we'll have 13 more. And we'll have 13 more each week for the next 13 weeks. And you better get on it, you and your actors. And then you're like, oh, bloody hell. I only had some kind of vague ideas here. I better hire a team to sketch these out very quickly and make this shit. And emphasis on this shit being the key phrase there. (laughs) So that's why, historically, TV was, uh, was not as good as cinema. But Ben, we live in a very different era now. We do. Go on. We do indeed. Sorry. My, my, my <laughs> What's going on? My, my brother is trying to watch the TV on mute, but he thought he didn't have the TV muted. So he was absolutely bricking himself because he turned the TV on and it was about to blare sound in the middle of our podcast. What's he recording. watching? What's he watching? Uh, yeah, I is don't it, know. What is watching. it better than the movie? He's watching horse racing. He's, got, oh, he's yeah. probably got money on the horses, Michael. Money on the horses. Um, so he wants to see who wins. Who gets well, the question then money. is, is live horse racing on TV, is that better than the film that it's based on, Seabiscuit? Seabiscuit? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Um, first of all, because I don't like Tobey Maguire much. Um, but second of all, probably doesn't have the same kind of gripping thrill. Yeah. So what are we talking about, Ben? We're trying Bloody to decide. Shows. Yeah, we're trying to decide. So in the olden days, Ben, when a film came out based on a on a movie or a reimagining of a movie or a retelling of a movie or a TV show came out based on a, on a movie, it was usually a bit of a pile of poo because they didn't yeah. have the budget or the timing or the time to do things properly. No experimentation, Michael. TV executives, very conservative bunch. Get Get what we asked for. Get it on the screen every week. Put it there, make it slightly exploitative, or else you're out, Ben. Or else you're bloody out. CW's business model in a nutshell. <laughs> Benjamin, one of the earliest uh, TV m- movies that became a TV shows was uh, one of your favourites, Benjamin, The Mash. The, uh, the Mash. Yeah, The Mash. Yes, The Mash, with good old, with, with good old Eagle Eye um, and uh, his gang of surgeons in, in the Nam. In it's in Nam. Korea, Ben. In the Korea. Yeah. In the Korea. Yeah, I love that show. Definitely didn't get that wrong. Um, yeah, bloody, bloody MASH, Michael. It's probably a success story more than anything else. Because I tell it you was, what I ben. don't remember. The film MASH. The film MASH. Yeah. Tell you what I do remember. The TV series MASH. Yeah, you see, you got it in one. Got yeah. it in one. Um, or, you know, Ben, even if we then kind of move forward a little bit to the early, to the late 90s and early 2000s, uh if you remember, Ben, there was a film of the of the TV of the comic book character Blade. Yeah, awful. The films? No, no, the TV show. The TV show, not very good. Not very good. Not one at of all the best films. It had sticky fingers in it as Blade. 
Not, I believe, that gentleman's real name, but that's his that's his rap I'm name. Sorry, I just can't. Yes. It's just ridiculous. So Sticky Benjamin fingers. Uh there was also a Blade Runner TV series which was absolutely dreadful. What? Yeah, it wasn't very Blade Runner at all. It was like a precursor to the cop cop on a replicant drama shows. That like are so almost pro- human. Like almost human, yeah, that are so common now. Mm, almost human would have been almost human would have been a quite a good uh, Blade Runner TV show if they decided yeah. to go down that route. Anyway, Benjamin. Go on. What what we've decided to do He's struggling is, today, Michael. <laughs> no, no, we're fine. What what we've decided to do is for each of us to watch a film and a TV series based on that film and try to decide where where did the magic lie? Did the magic yes. lie in the movie or in the TV series? Yes. So you haven't done it, so I've done two. So Good. I started, Benjamin, with a yes. film which came out in the year 1992, Ben. 1992. 1992. How old were you in 1992, Ben? I was one. But a bab. A swaddling a bab. babe. A swaddling baby. Yeah. And Benjamin, the film which I watched, released in 1992, was Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> You have to put the comma. <laughs> have to put the comma. Very important. Buffy, comma, the vampire, the vampire slayer. slayer. Yes. Not was, Buffy was the, the vampire comma, slayer. Buffy. Was the comma in the shape of a little fang? No. Uh, they missed a beat there. They missed did. a beat there. Yeah. Buffy, Market comma, gold. the vampire slayer, 1992, Ben. Have you ever seen it, Ben? Uh, I haven't, Michael. Haven't. You've, you've probably heard of it for being much maligned. Yeah, it didn't do great from what I understand in the internet annals. No, it it was savaged by critics. Good, it was good, a good, good, good. it was a very 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 minor uh, financial success very because minor. it was very cheap to make. It cost about seven million dollars in nineteen ninety two money, which You're is the equivalent of a hundred million dollars today. <laughs> was it very exploitative, Michael? No, it was directed by a lady, so oh. it's not terribly exploitative of Buffy. In fact, probably it's why it didn't do well in nineteen ninety two. Very good. You've you've hit nineteen ninety two right where it hurts. <laughs> um, it was yeah. It's directed by a lady called uh, Franz Kuzui. I think that her. I think that's her married name. I think it's a Japanese name, uh, and written by discovered by her as well. Written by Josh Justin Whedon. Josseton Whedon Josseton Whedon Noted bad egg Yeah Well Medium bad egg I think He's no Kevin Spacey I don't think Well no He hasn't He hasn't molested Any young men In the back of the Hollywood party Yeah That we know of That we know of Ben That we know of But anyway um, So So Fran Kazui Discovered this uh, Piece of fiction By Joss Whedon And kind of Worked together To bring it To the big screen But Ben as you kind of pointed out there in your dig at 1992, 1992 wasn't ready for a strong female lead who is complex and has emotions and conflicts. <laughs> Women with emotions? Yeah. Get out of here. Get out of here. Women don't do jokes. Women are you... just pretty. What do you mean she doesn't need a man to come in and save her? Yeah, we've got Luke mean? Perry here. Was it Luke Perry? I think it was Luke I Perry. Don't wasn't know. It? I watched it the other day. I just don't, <laughs> I can't keep I can't keep my Perry's straight. I think it is Luke Perry from nine oh two and oh. He died quite recently, actually. Get your bloody Perry's in a row there. So we shouldn't speak ill of him. So anyway, Buffy Ben is a high school cheerleader. She's uh-huh, one of the classic. popular girls, and yeah. uh, one day she's visited by a creepy man called Donald Donald Sutherland. Oh, Donald Sutherland! Yeah, is he a Giles? 
he's kind of the Giles of it. Yeah, his name is Merrick okay. in this. Okay. And Merrick shows up, and apparently, the the director was a kind of a new director, and Donald Sutherland was the big name on the screen, on the yeah. cast, and okay. Donald Sutherland kind of ad libbed his character, and um, the director was too afraid of him and his Hollywood power oh, to tell God. him to stop. And it resulted in a lot of inconsistencies. Like, he kind of implies he's both, he's either immortal or he's reincarnated every lifetime. But you never, it's never really clear which it is because Donald Sutherland <laughs> was just making it up. <laughs> and uh, all of this kind of stuff, uh, the the executives apparently took out most of Buffy's jokes. She, she was going to have some... Uh, she was going to have some one-liners and stuff, and it's they took a lot of. Women can't be funny, you see, in nineteen ninety-two. They took. She has one good joke where a, a vampire who's lost an arm, she's fighting him, and he's kind of winning ever so slightly, and uh, he's like, "We're vampires. We're immortal. We can do anything." And then she stabs him and says, "Oh yeah, clap." Because <laughs> nice. he has, because he has, he has one arm, That's and you know solid. there are moments like that where you're saying, "Oh, there's Buffy." There's there Joss Whedon's is. Buffy. Um, there she is. But the the biggest flaw of the whole thing, Ben, is it is a film which is a concept. And the concept is, imagine if a high school, normal high school American girl was yeah. a vampire slayer. And that's a fine concept, as we saw from the seven series of Buffy. Yeah. But it doesn't have room to breathe. And that's why TV did it better. That is why, in this case, the Buffy series is a heck of a lot better than the movie. There are good things about the movie. People people obviously love Sarah Michelle Gellar, but Christy Swanson in this does a pretty damn good Buffy, in my opinion. And she, Shame for her. She is more physically believable as, as a, an ass kicker than Sarah Michelle Gellar. I was recently, Michael, uh, E4 here in, in Ireland, uh, the UK channel, is re-showing all of Buffy from start to finish. Right. Um, and my sister has taken to watching it with me. Yes. Um, because she's quite interested in the thing. Sharon Michelle Geller is a very small lady. She's a little teeny tiny lady. She's a little tiny tiny lady. She's, well, that is that is part of it. That's part of the kind of conceit, isn't it? That it's who you at least Well, yeah, she catches you off guard. But my goodness... What a tiny, 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 tiny lady! It's not even that that I mean. It's in the training and the training montage on this. Christy Swanson is an athlete, I think, or was an athlete. She has no punching and kicking technique, really. Oh, but she's hitting a heavy bag and she's whacking it. She's getting a smack. She is going full force, kicking that bag, and she does a couple of pretty good jump kicks, and. She's really gritting her teeth and going hard. She's not acting like she's boxing. She's, she's boxing. really she. Well, I mean, she still can't throw a punch properly, but she's really going hell for leather for it, and it makes it all the more believable to see someone really genuinely going wild yeah, trying to knock a bag. One of, the, one of the great criticisms you could have of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is that um, th- those hits don't land. No, there, well, there's I no mean, satisfaction. The funny thing in this is the the hits in the training montage are, are excellent. You can really see her whacking her forearms into this piece of wood as hard as she can. And all credit to either the actress or the stunt lady, because that probably hurt. But yeah. then the fight scenes, Ben, 
because they had five weeks to film this movie. Because oh Luke or Matthew Perry had a five-week break from Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, and every single fight scene is people stumbling around the place. Their timing is off. They miss each other. <laughs> people kind of go, ah, and jump back and don't do anything for a couple of seconds and then get stabbed. It's it's terrible. The action is terrible. Uh, it sounds pretty bad. There's a scene where she stabs a flagpole at Rutger Hauer. Uh, Rutger Hauer playing a vampire, Ben. Not the actor not Rutger Hauer. Rutger Hauer. He's, on, he's on the ground and he rolls out of the way and she stabs down with the flagpole. But he rolls out of the way so far in advance of when she finally stabs down. The shot <laughs> lingers on the floor for a second and oh, you can dear. see about 30 holes in the floor where they've done the shot. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and every time they've done the shot they've stabbed the hole in the floor and all the holes are just in the floor because they can't fix that it's too late yeah and they had they didn't have time to do it basically they didn't That's have hilarious. time to get it bang on right so a That's lot of hilarious. it is this'll do but you can't fault Christy Swanson she does a pretty good job and I think if she hadn't aged out of it because she was about 33 or 34 by the time That's the TV series old. came yeah, uh, by the time the TV series came around, she was about thirty three or thirty four. She would have been a fine Buffy. I think she could have carried a whole series TV series, and she would have been great. Yeah, I mean, it could have happened, man. Could have happened. But Ben, but the TV show is better. It has room Fair to enough. breathe. It has, uh, it has room to develop the vampires. To the the vampires yeah. in this are just ah, we're here, we're vampires, we're going to get you. And then yeah. some of them are exactly. So they do that a lot. Oh, do they? Yeah, the, the vampires actually just go, <laughs> People go, what the hell is this? But it is a comedy, but it's not a great film. So that's a victory for a victory for uh, TV, Ben, over film. It, it's, it's funny that you've said that. There's there's kind of a weird thing that happened in in the 2010s through to 2020. Yeah. And that was where they started combing through old films, old classics, and turning them into extended TV series for some reason. Right. Uh, I think it was especially prevalent with, with horror kind of films that had done right. very well. Yeah. Um, and they kept turning them into origin stories. I think this is one of the big... I think you could probably land it as a big sin of certain things, of certain TV shows. But in other cases, they kind of just did a retelling of the story. The two that, that spring to mind for me, Michael, are, are bloody Bates Motel... Which oh, yeah. was a kind of deep dive into the, the background of, of Norman Bates from yeah. Psycho. And Hannibal, which mm. was kind of a deep dive into the, the history of the famous killer from Silence of the Lambs. Um, and it's real bloody interesting, Michael. Both those shows really took the in, took a very light sprinkling of inspiration from the movies. <laughs> and then turned them into these grand, kind of psychologically tense horror fests mm. thriller kind of things and I think certainly I'm not sure about Bates Motel because I haven't seen much of it I've only seen a little bit I, I lie Michael I did do a little bit of YouTube research before this just to just to make oh, sure um, but well, I couldn't leave you out there Michael just leave all me at hanging. sea with nothing but a chocolate teapot oh, <laughs> useless um, Michael a chocolate teapot podcast yeah, probably pretty catchy actually um, the chocolate teapot would be a great name for a podcast um, where we oh where we look into the history of useless inventions and why they became successful that <gasps> already that. exists Ben talk about oh. Bates Motel 
Sorry, yeah. So, I mean, Bates Motel is... Um, Bates Motel was kind of a, a standard kind of retelling of a horror thing. They looked at the, the really twisted relationship between Norman Bates and his mother. Um, and it turns out that he was always a bloody oddball. Um, but it was really down to Mummy Dearest kind of just ruining his life mm. um, by twisting his mind and, and turning him into a bloody weird uh, weirdo. Bloody big old weirdo. A big weird weirdo. And I think that was relatively successful. But then to take that a step further, Hannibal came along with noted Danish actor Mads Mikkelsen, Mads Mikkelsen. Um, in the lead role. And I have to say, Michael, I have yes. to say, bloody intimidating figure of a man. Great choice for a cannibalistic psychopath. Um, big spooky guy um, and it delves into his relationship with Will the young psychologist who sends Claire in the original Silence of the Lambs to meet him Clarice Ben uh, Clarice sorry Clarice um, sends him to, to meet him in the original film and it kind of expounds on their relationship and what we follow is Will's kind of descend into madness by association with Mads Mikkelsen's Hannibal um, it's it's an interesting case isn't it because yeah it's not exactly. It's not Silence of the Lambs, the TV show. No. Nor is it Red all. Dragon, the TV show. Thank God. The, yeah. Oh, bloody hell, I'm telling you. It puts the lotion in the basket or else it gets the hose again. Benjamin, yeah, it's yeah, it's a weird one. Scream as well. Scream recently got that treatment with MTV making a TV series of Scream. I didn't see that. What? Yeah. Yeah, it's it. You're right. There was a kind of rash recently of horror movies being made into TV shows. It was a, it was a, it was a 2010 to 2020. Mm. It was the mid, the twi- What 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 do we call them? The, the 2010s. The 2010s. 2010s. The 2010s. The, the, 2010s. the roaring uh, 10s. 2010s were bloody. It was it was a wash with horror remakes and attempts at that kind of thing. Bloody weird. I tell um, you what, though, Ben. What. Here's a very successful TV show from a movie, Ben. Are you familiar, Ben, with 1996? Uh, the year? Yes. I, I, I had a thing with his sister a while back. But in <laughs> passing. Go on. How do you feel with about 1996 as and when compared to 1992, Ben? Um, well, I was a little bit older then, Michael, a little bit wiser. Yes. So I probably yeah. prefer 1996, to be honest. Yeah, you were four. No, five. Four, yeah. Five, whole yep. five. Yeah, I was five years old. Five yep. and three quarters. Benjamin, in yep. 1996, a seminal film came out. Yeah, it was uh, written and directed by the team of Ronald Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin, Ben, and it was a Stargate. <laughs> uh, Benjamin, yeah. <laughs> have you seen the Have you seen the 1996 film Stargate, Ben? No, I've managed to avoid it thus far in my career, Michael. Okay, so I kind of I watched it again. It's not horrible. It's not great. It's not an it's not an amazing film. There's a young uh there's a young what's his face that women like, James Spader. He's in uh, it. Ah, Jimmy Spades. Yeah. Kurt Russell is in it. Curty Russ. Your favourite actor, Benjamin, playing strangely against type, has French Stewart as a kind of tough military guy. French Stewart? Yeah, your favourite actor, Freedom Who is Stewart. French Stewart. French Stewart, you know the guy, he's got squinty eyes and he played Inspector Gadget in Inspector Gadget 2. He was what? in Third Rock from the <laughs> Sun. Your favourite actor, Freedom Stewart. My favourite actor, French Stewart, of course, yeah. of course. He's in it as a, as a tough military guy, playing what? totally against type. Um, but, Ben, if you remember, 
it is the story of uh, an archaeological team in Egypt who dig up a stargate and it leads yeah. to a, an, another planet and everyone on the other planet mysteriously looks like humans. And it turns That's out Ben... Handy. Yeah, well, it turns out, Ben, they are humans. Oh. Because they were kidnapped millennia ago by an alien. What? Yeah, an alien who took on the... the who decided to either inspired the legend of or took on the character of depending on which version you're following of the ancient Egyptian god Ra nice and kind of set himself up as the god of ancient Egypt Ben good man and he he took some of them off to his planet and he left some of them on earth the ones on earth Ben rebelled and overthrew their their leaders and Could buried the stargate so it could never happen. But the ones on the other planet still live like it's ancient Egypt and they're slaves uh, to Ra. Not very progressive. And Ben, it wasn't a very well-received film at the time, despite not being horrible. Oh, okay. It wasn't horrible. It's, it's not great. It's not an all-time classic film. Okay. But it's all right. I think what... The thing at the time it came out, people didn't get it. That's fair and enough. It's a pretty high concept sci-fi thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, maybe in 1996 it was. Not now, Michael. Not Nothing now, exactly. Now. But that's what that's what I'm saying. These days, a kind of military action science fiction film—that's a genre we know and understand. It's bloody the United States as we bloody fucking. I'm telling as you, we live and breathe. I'm telling you. But in 1996, Ben, when this came out, people were like, this is light on plot and very fantastical and there's too many special effects. (laughs) Yeah, and people didn't kind of get it and it wasn't amazingly popular. Interesting. Yeah, it is, isn't it? But, Ben, popular enough and financially successful enough that it split off into two channels. Dean Devlin, the writer, had planned a trilogy of movies. That he, oh. that he still wishes to continue to this day. What? And he, he still thinks that his mates, Kurt Russell and James Spader, would be willing to come back. Oh, Dylan, give it up. Or Who's Dean, Dylan? Dean, Dean, sorry. Oh, Dean. Dean, give it up. <laughs> Dylan. It's not going to happen, Dean Devlin, you weirdo. Dean, ben, Dylan, Devlin. In the real Dean. world, it became a TV show. It did. It did. It did. And it became a very fastly popular and successful tv show it did didn't it it was really big at one point it, it really reignited modern tv science fiction to be honest it, it had a spin-off it, as well didn't it it had, stargate it, had atlantis. it had stargate atlantis it had stargate universe it had a, a kid's cartoon called stargate infinity i think i remember that That's yeah weird. it really developed its own its world and the funny thing about it was it was the TV series was very much sold as the continuation of the movie Stargate. Right. They cast Michael Shanks, essentially, as a, whatchamacallum, a James Spader impersonator. Okay. So, in season one and season two of the TV show Stargate SG-1, Michael Shanks plays James Spader playing Daniel Jackson. Nice. But... It runs 10 seasons, Ben. So by the end, he's become totally his own character. Nothing to be sniffed at. Yeah. I I read a very good review on the internet from like 2008. And it said that after watching Michael Shanks develop the Daniel Jackson character for so long, people get confused when they see James Spader and they go, why is James Spader speaking so slowly? 
because <laughs> Michael Shanks had developed it into this kind of quick thinking manic character kind of guy but, yeah uh, yeah the biggest difference though is the total re reimagining of the main character's personality because they recast Kurt Russell who's this joyless grim he's ready to die that's why he goes on the Stargate mission okay he doesn't care fair. if he dies and then they recast him as MacGyver Wise cracking, yeah. Wise cracking, MacGyver. Wise cracking, God's favorite idiot, MacGyver. God's favorite idiot. But yes, Ben, I don't know if you've seen the pilots, <laughs> the pilot episodes wait, of. Wait. What? I just want to enjoy the phrase "God's favorite idiot." I think I stole that from Ryan Reynolds. I think that's how he describes <laughs> oh, Deadpool. Oh, that was excellent, Michael. Thank you very much. I'm um, delighted. Go on, keep going. The TV show, the first couple of episodes, the pilot of the TV show were very, very, very much aimed at continuing this military science fiction fantasy adult. There's nudity in the first episodes, Ben, of Stargate SG-1. There's a what? There's nudity in the first couple of episodes of Stargate SG-1. Get out of town. Nudity. Stargate. Honest to God, nudity on Stargate. It, It makes so little sense. The route Stargate has gone down. I would call it then, unlike Buffy, where the TV show is categorically better than the film, I think the movie does have its fans who don't like where the TV show went. Oh, okay. So it's just, oh, a, a division, a schism. A bit of a schism. I think Fan-schism. the TV show's better because it's one of my favourite TV shows of all time. But Really? Yeah, I love Stargate SG-1. It's, it's really brilliant. I would not have thought that. That's interesting. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, it took the idea of the Stargate and took it to a logical place of them going everywhere and anywhere. And yeah. it's one of the only science fiction TV shows I've ever seen where the Stargate, the existence of a kind of a conceit like this, changed the world. Yeah, fair. Without that being the point. Yeah, okay. So, so it wasn't, wasn't like, here's how the world has changed because this happened. But in season one, they're, you know, humans stumbling through the Stargate and going off and discovering the universe. By season 10, they have a, speed, a fleet of spaceships. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And it's, it's essentially you're watching the Star Trek origin story. It's quite strange. It's quite fun. Well, there you go. I like Stargate. Anyway, yeah. So, you're a big fan ben, of Stargate. Yeah. The, uh, do you think the listeners might have any other TV show versus movies? Uh, you go stepping on my coattail, son. All right, That's on, my line. Ladies and gentlemen, do you have anything that you think did a better job on either the television or on the big old silver screen, uh, which was better? Do you have any other examples for us? One of the ones we forgot here, Michael, today that we didn't talk about at all is the the bloody demented process of constantly turning every single Disney movie into a long old TV series after its original success. But we'll get into that another time, Michael. I'm sure there's probably another place we can do all that. Ladies and gentlemen, do let us know if you think there are any TV series that did it better or any movies that did it better. You can get in touch with us in a number of ways. You can find us on showmrabeug.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. It does indeed. You can find us on Le Gram at the same address, Shomrabyog, no dot com this time, because it's bloody social media. Social media, yeah. you don't need that. Yeah, com. silly, yeah, silly, silly gooses. Uh, moving on from there, ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to us in a variety of places, you might be listening to us on the Tube of You. Uh, mm-hmm. If you listen to us there, do give us an L, subscribe, a like, and a comment, or even one of those will do. 
Anyone. One of those will do. I'll take the one. Um, If you're listening to us on Spotify, which is more than likely where you are listening to us, ladies and gentlemen, do give us an L, follow, and share us on your Instagram stories. Do a share. For all your pals. Do a share. For all your pals. We'll be really well behaved on the next one, so they won't think you're a bloody weirdo. Um, And then, ladies and gentlemen, if you're on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, you can probably uh, get in touch with us. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts and do something positive in our favor on Google Podcasts. Whatever it may be. I don't know. I don't get it. That's it from us, ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye. See you next week. Ben, tell them about Collecting Issues. Oh, yeah, they'll be Collecting Issues this bloody Wednesday where we take a look at Planetary, Volume 1, by Warren Ellis and John Cassidy. Sean Cassidy? John John Cassidy. John Cassidy. Cassidy. Something Cassidy. Bloody great comic. Stay tuned for Wednesday. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. See you now. See you. Bye. Oh, I wasn't recording.